Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tea Unfiltered podcast. My name is Brianna Dean, and I am your host. Today, we have a special guest. Her name is Sarah. Her and I have become pretty good friends the past several months. She is a practitioner of manual osteopathy, massage therapy, mindfulness, rapid relief technique, and host of Stillness Matters podcast. She spends her time teaching people how to understand their emotions and stop unintentionally sabotaging their lives so they can remember how to live with authentic joy and intention again. For 20 years, she has studied mindfulness and the concepts of stillness in many situations and now shares how to make mastering your mindset a lifestyle choice that will radically change your life, relationships, and business. Sarah, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So my first question is one that I didn't send to you, but I think it'd be easy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When did you first become interested in your career path? Ooh, that's an interesting story. Um, when I was in high school, I was actually training to be an animator. So I was focusing on the arts. I was building on my portfolio. And right around the time that I started applying to art college, my mom announced that she was pregnant with my little brother. Oh. So there's 18 years between us. And one of the things that she told me was, if you want to be a part of this kid's life, like if you want him to recognize you as a sibling, you got to be around. And to go to art school, I would have had to move away from home. So I made the decision to stay closer to home and not do the arts program. Now, my neighbor at the time had just finished her massage therapy program uh, at a local school. So I talked to her a little bit, got a feel for what was expected of the program, went to the college, checked everything out. And part of the reason I went with massage therapy was because it was versatile. It was only a two-year program. I could pay for it up front. I would have a career at the end of it. And if I wanted to get into something else, like I wanted to go back to art school later, I could work my way through university. So I went into massage therapy, did that. And then one of my teachers was an osteopath. And to listen to him talk about the human body and his level of understanding about the body um, really inspired me to do more with it than just the basic level of education that I got from massage therapy school. So immediately after graduating, I went into osteopathy and here we are. And that actually led me to write my thesis on mindfulness, which is where that side of my career came from as well. So can you explain what osteopathy is? So osteopathy is like massage. Um, It's a manual therapy. So my hands are on my client and we're assessing and treating various types of dysfunction within the body. So it could be joint related or muscular. It could be something physiological going on with the organs or the nervous system or circulation. Uh, We can support disease processes you know, symptom management, make people feel more comfortable, that kind of thing. But it's a very, very gentle treatment. Uh, The whole point of osteopathy is to help the client's body heal itself. So we're basically trying to reorganize the roadblocks to their healing 
so that their body can just do what it needs to do. And how does your career affect how you manage burnout? <laughs> Over the pandemic, uh, I'm pretty sure anyone who remotely works in healthcare knows what burnout feels like now. Um, it's, I would say if anything, my career contributes to burnout at this point, because you're constantly dealing with everyone coming in and especially during the pandemic, I use that as a recent example, because I saw people coming in with anxiety and panic attacks that had never had anxiety symptoms before. And they're like, holy crap, what's happening? And then we have to support them in that state of mind because when I'm treating someone and their nervous system's on fire from something emotional or stress or something like that, we usually have to deal with that first. So to deal with that day in and day out as a healthcare practitioner is exhausting. And then when you're dealing with that for months on end, you're it's like you're running on empty all the time, but you still have to keep giving, right? Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So while my training put me in a better position to deal with it, because we do get we get training on burnout, we get training on compassion fatigue, and how to quote unquote, not take on your clients stuff at the end of the day. Um, it's, it was it's still a long haul with COVID for sure. So the strategies that I ended up using were a lot of like mental resiliency training that we learned from burnout, um, being mindful in your treatment and when you're interacting with people so that you're not taking on more responsibility in that moment than you need to be, recognizing boundaries within relationships and respecting them and enforcing them. And then there's other like actual strategies you can do like meditations, going for a walk, connecting with nature, grounding exercises, breathing exercises, like anything that would help to recenter the nervous system, help to regulate the nervous system. That's what you want to be doing with burnout. But honestly, I would say that learning to respect boundaries was probably the biggest one from a professional standpoint standpoint. And then incorporating that into personal relationships as well because eventually there's bleed over yeah so what do you do personally to avoid burnout what's your number one or two go-to exercises or tips that you go to personally the biggest one for me was definitely learning about boundaries um Boundaries are your first line of defense, and they're the strongest line of defense. That's how you stop burnout from happening in the first place. And it's something that a lot of people in general, I would call out women in general, because we're often expected to be the caretakers of any given societal bubble that we're in, whether that's a friend group, the family bubble, the relational bubble. We're often expected to be the caretakers. We're often expected to be the ones taking on the emotional load of the people around us. You know, we're... We're the ones that people come to to talk to. We're the ones that are often the ones comforting someone else, right? So learning when to say no, when to say I've had enough, and more importantly, learning to say that and not feel guilty about it because that just compounds the whole issue. 
if you get to a point where you're so exhausted that you're like, no, I can't take on this conversation right now, but then you feel guilty about it, you're not actually giving yourself a break and you're still stressing out your nervous system. So learning to set my boundaries and hold them in a way that I was confident in and not shaming myself or feeling guilty about after the fact, that was my biggest breakthrough when it came to managing my burnout and it took practice it took a lot of practice yeah I think that's something that I struggle with personally too because I feel like I have to do everything and when I can't then I'm failing I think a lot of people yeah yeah and we're we're very conditioned into that by our current society for any of the listeners in a North American society Because I know there are other cultures where that's not as big of a deal. I know some like matriarchal based cultures. It's a very different dynamic. But here, at least, this is what we fall into. And it's expected of us from a very young age to fall into that role. But then because we've grown up with this, and this is like hardwired into the way we think, it becomes very hard to break out of it. And that's where the guilt comes from. It's like, I'm doing something wrong by taking care of myself. I'm doing something wrong by saying no and you're not like if it the roles were reversed and it was like say a male executive ceo saying no i don't have time for this right now no one would bat an eye but when mom says no it's just like the world falls apart like how fair is that right what is the biggest piece of advice or i'm sorry what is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think I just answered this question recently on wisdom as well. The best piece of advice that I've ever received. Hmm. Probably came from my Sifu, my martial arts teacher. He usually gave a lot of good advice. Actually, no, that's a lie. It would come from my thesis advisor. And it actually came during the pandemic. So I reached out to him because of burnout, actually. And he told me, he had the pleasure of doing an interview with a man named David Hawkins. And David Hawkins is a, I want to say, PhD psychiatrist. Did a lot of research, wrote a bunch of books. Fantastic man. You should definitely read his books. But my thesis advisor actually interviewed him personally and never ended up publishing the interview because he realized after the fact that the interview was for him and it wasn't to be shared. And he gave me a piece of advice from this interview and said, you need to learn to laugh at everything in life. And I was confused with this because I was in the middle of burnout. I was grieving a relationship, a really bad breakup. And I'm like, you're kidding. This is what you're going to tell me right now. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, everything. He's like, think about like our life really doesn't mean all that much in the grand scheme of what we know as time. Like we're pretty insignificant on an individual level. And the events in any given day are equally significant when you look at the overarching possibilities of being a you know a spiritual being of some kind in a physical body living a physical life he's like when you look at the power that we have as humans 
and you look at everything we're capable of doing as humans and then you come back down into the nitty-gritty of the daily stress even if it's something that we perceive as terrible like this breakup or a death in the family or anything that would be perceived as traumatic even getting to a point where you can genuinely laugh at it is very empowering and freeing at the same time and ever since then i've been trying to figure out how to do that but i would say that's probably the best piece of advice i've ever received have you figured out how to do that no not at all (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a daily practice it goes for anything mindset related it's like going to the gym for your muscles you're working day after day trying to get strong learning the balance between work and rest Working out your mind is no different. Mindfulness practices, rewiring your mindset into learning how to laugh at terrible things and not from a not from a lack of care, but rather a place of recognizing the insignificance of it in the big picture. That takes practice. Yeah. Well, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, what a great interview. I'm so thankful that Sarah agreed to come on the show today and share some words of wisdom with you guys. And I encourage you to go find her podcast, Stillness Matters. Also, you can find her at Stillness Matters on Instagram and TikTok. If you're enjoying this podcast, please go to wherever you're listening and rate and review. Also, Go join the Facebook group or follow me on Instagram at the T Unfiltered. And last but not least, check out our website, theteunfiltered.com.